All right, is it coming in on the top? Today on the show, we have Elia and Jeff of Charming Disaster. The pair used dramatic cabaret flair and gothic humor combined with their songwriting super talents and lush interplaying vocal harmonies to tell tales that may seem um, disastrous but have a sweetness and human relatability within them. And their newest album, Our Lady Radium, does just that. It focuses on Marie Curie and uh, the Radium Girls and tells the, the beautiful discovery of Radium and the hero who Marie was, but also the darkness that it brought. And they do it in such a way where their songwriting puts you right in it. And lately I've been really diving into like the how do songs work realm. And uh, so this was the perfect band to kind of have and to try to like understand how they write songs. And it, it's a really, really good record. We're going to listen to one track off it. This is The Darkened Room off Our Lady Radium. You all can keep your combat. That life don't suit me well. This is my finest moment. Here's another story you can tell. When I was just a baby, an orphan with no home. Darkened Room off Our Lady Radium, Charming Disaster. 
Uh, yeah, right? Tight harmonies on that one. Um, so before we get into this conversation, if you can like, rate, review the podcast on some of the podcast platforms, um, it helps me keep talking to cool guests and sharing those insights with you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jeff and Elia of Charming Disaster. I had a I had a, a one year old birthday party to go to. Understood. Very yeah. Those... <laughs> yeah. First birthday is very important. <laughs> it got rowdy. It got rowdy. It was very dramatic. Very but very you, exciting. You made it. That's good. You hung over. <laughs> they were. They were. The babies were just relentless. They're falling over. <laughs> um, where, in where in Cleveland are you? Um. I mean, uh, like 20 minutes away. Uh, you guys were just at Whiz Bang, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we love playing Cleveland. It's like one of our favorite places to come and play. We actually just applied to the Borderlight Fringe Festival, so we're hoping to be back in July if they accept us. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Well, I was I was bummed out because, like, me and my girlfriend were riding past Whiz Bang, and we're like, what is this place? Is it a theater? Is it a – I thought it – because I, I thought it used to be a comic shop there, and then uh, – and then – we scheduled this with Howard and I'm like, wait a minute. We were just trying to figure out that place was. Oh yeah. Um, there, so there's a, there's a vaudeville duo called pinch and squeal. They're based in Cleveland. And for a long time, they've been running a series called the whiz bang out of like a tent, like a little circus tent. Um, and they finally got their own theater space, which they've been talking about for a long time. Like our first Cleveland show is when we met them, which was a few years ago. And at the time they were like, oh yeah, like we're imminently going to have this theater space and it'll be perfect for like kind of cabaret vaudeville circus performers, which, which is a world that we are part of, um, through circus and puppetry. And we're kind of adjacent to a lot of that mm -hmm. community. Yeah. Partly because of the subject matter of our songs, and partly just because of like who we're in a scene with in New yeah, York. Friends. Yeah. Um, and anyway, it took a few years, and we, we'd come back to Cleveland, and pensions go be like, "Oh, we were so close," but then like there is this issue with the building or the landlord or whatever it was, and so um, they finally got it, and then it was 2020, and the pandemic uh. started. Yeah, um, but they they had like their official opening this past year, and um, and we got to play there in November, which was super fun. It's like a little fifty seat house, and it's really lovely. And they've yeah, got a big, it is a great yeah. Great place. They've got like a training space downstairs, so they have like a little circus school, and they do their own uh, productions there. Um, but also they host out of town shows. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like a really cool like space to be in, and like it's interesting. That's an interesting scene to kind of fall in because there's so many fractions of like of a music scene, right? There's the punk scene, the jam scene, and like it, it's a for it's like that beginning period when you're starting to like figure out what you can do and where you fall. Like, you know, like how'd you like end up? Did you guys both end up kind of in like this like circus kind of vaudeville like puppet <laughs> ring? <laughs> separately or or like was this once you get charming disaster became it's like became a group is this where this kind of like blended to be that does that make sense like uh or were yeah. you well it's a little bit of both um since so for about 25 years i've worked with the bindlestiff family circus um first as a merch girl and then in other capacities like back when i was in my early 20s i started with them which tells you how old i am <laughs> and um uh the bindlestiffs were a huge influence on me as a performer like when i started working with them i was not yet a performer and it was through working with them that i realized that that was kind of 
who I was. And it was later on that I picked up a ukulele and kind of became a, a musician. Um, so so we I, I'm connected to that community. We actually, my first time in Cleveland was the, at the Beachland flinging nice. uh, merch for the Bindle Stiffs back in like 2003. Nice. Uh, so, um, and now we've played at the Beachland, which, yeah. which was a nice kind of full circle. That was yeah. uh, when we opened for Rescue Tina there in 2019. Um, but we also, we, and well, and Jeff, like you have your own sort of like yeah, I mean, thing. Yeah, I've always been into like cabaret and that style of music. And I've, I, and juggling and juggling and and I think if I could have if I if I could redo anything in my life I would have probably joined the circus and you know or you know considered that as an option um my my brothers and I and my sister we all like juggle and we've done a lot of our own like backyard acrobatics and stuff. <laughs> so I'm very like circus adjacent and circus friendly to a lot of this this world that we've created and it, it made it made sense when we yeah. got together the two of us yeah. you know we could um it really lends itself well to like a variety show or yeah and and it's kind of fun being like a slightly outside outlier in the circus world and also slightly an outlier yeah. in the music world like we we have songs about circus performers and fire eaters and knife throwers and um and so that makes us like a little different with and, and also our approach is very vaudevillian like yeah. uh, theatrical like we're not just like a band playing on stage we're like really hamming it up <laughs> yeah, yeah we're hamming it up instead of like you know crying our feelings out in front of everybody yeah <laughs> it's very presentational and very interactive when we're, yeah. when we're performing so um also it's fun to be in the circus world and like to be slightly like outside of that so like we've gotten to perform in puppet puppet shows yeah. like like we're not puppets we're not a puppet <laughs> show but but we've performed in like multiple puppet shows yeah and um and we got to MC a fire show at coney island a couple of years ago which was really fun so fun because we were like okay we're gonna we're gonna come up with some really stupid fire tricks <laughs> we uh we toasted a marshmallow on stage with a yeah. creme brulee torch for instance yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was the level of the fire artistry we were working with. Yeah, and the people are doing, like, real fire stuff that was very impressive. We are like, okay, you guys, we have something amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, one, one, the beautiful thing about the idea of, like, the circus, you know, there's these different talents, and everyone has, like, their own unique thing to bring to the show. And, you know right. what I mean? It's not, like, not necessarily you don't have to be able to do what I can do, but you have your own thing. And, like... Uh, it's interesting because there's just there's just this atmospheric thing that comes with it. There's a mood that comes with that music and with that like uh, maybe it's because it's like a coming from like an older like a, a time period before where it's like so kind of like a in a way like um, atmospheric or like sets the tone of a thing. Like if you if you like uh, if you dress like you're you're a circus performer, someone can lay. Oh, that's yeah, that's that. You know, or, or someone was like a medieval. Yeah, there's like a a time <laughs> era. Sub, you know, subscribe to it. But um, right. the vaudevillian thing is definitely like to amplify yourself more than just like musically to be emotive to do it full force and full like bodily oh. to to ex uh, um, convey yourself in that way is like a whole nother like level. And like vaudeville performers who would like. Like when you go in those old vaudeville like theaters, like there's no mics. You know what I mean? They had to. You have to be that expressive and that loud in a way. 
Like, yeah. it's definitely an admirable, admirable, I can talk today, um, <laughs> field and, like, way to, like, learn how to express. And, like, that's why I was curious on how, like, how that evolved with you guys. Because musically, like, I've been diving through all the records and, like, you, the songwriting is incredible and in how you two play off each other. And, like, there's, like, that, that, it's just perfect how your voices interline with each other. And, like, so, like, yeah. that, that whole, like, vaudevillian like circus like other emotive thing is super cool because it just amplifies that even more um that being said i wanted to ask uh, uh how the plant guard or the vanguard is doing the vanguard yeah, sorry wait can the, you repeat that you cut out for just a second um i wanted to ask how the van garden the garden in the van is doing uh, oh oh our car <laughs> car garden <laughs> Yeah, we, we were confused because like it's never been a van. It's always been like my oh. parents' parents' station wagon. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's on hold now. Yeah, it's, it's winter. Wintering. Yeah, it's wintering. Winter. Um, although along those lines, there was um, not too long ago we had played uh, we had played a show somewhere, and the next show we were staying with my parents. Um, because like we were gonna play a show near where they they live, and at the previous stop, somebody had given us a bunch of like herbs from their garden. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and we and we had it like sticking out of like the, one of the vents, and we pull up, and my dad's in the driveway, and he looks in the car, and he says without skipping a beat, "What is that, Wolfbane?" <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, that that goes to the other PSA of how to handle like you know. <laughs> wolf bites and (laughs) scare scare bites was the thing i was alarmed there's no there's no cure for that (laughs) that's right yeah you've been doing your homework it seems yeah yeah you're doing a deep dive did you i don't know if you've seen the winter survival one that's that's one of my favorites that's awesome it's fun like it's i don't know things like that make i think like as a band, like there's musically, there's such a structured way to do it. You put the single out, you do the bit, you run through the thing. It's not too many people do the fun aspect of it, like especially, <laughs> especially touring all the time. Like I think, I think it seems like you guys are road dogging it pretty hard back before the shutdown. We were, we were. Uh, yeah, 2019. We were out there a lot. That was kind of the the most we'd ever been out. In yeah, we're like, all right, we can get used to this. I know. And then, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we did it so much when yeah. we could, and I hope we get to do it a lot more again. So we have some tour dates um, scheduled um, for the, the spring and summer, and we're, we're excited about that, but also cautiously excited because, yeah, uh, um, yeah I mean, it's, it's fun because a lot of those, like, sort of ancillary things that we do, like, we really do them purely to amuse to like entertain each other mm-hmm. um yeah. and it's been really um hilarious and rewarding that so many other people seem to appreciate them but like really that's sort of like icing yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean we were doing it like before anybody was really paying attention um <laughs> and and so it's actually been fun to um to like re repost, repost some yeah. of these things that we did like that our winter ps winter survival psa we made in 2016 and like i think very few people watched it at the time and we just reposted it when that there was that big snow and um people well, seem to cabin? i know like, are you in a cabin right now and they're like no <laughs> this is fresh information <laughs> i know <All> right. <laughs> well you know that's you know one 
hats off to keeping it going just to keep anything going long enough to like be able to recycle stuff you know what i mean like is a big deal like uh and it's hard it's hard like because uh jeff i know you've had like a bigger band with kunarino right that was like it, it looked i don't know how many people in the video it looked like but it looked like seven or something yeah um, nine um elliot also had a large band um sweets of brett also would have like and we were up to we were up to eight yeah yeah it wasn't a it's not a contest <laughs> we had about <laughs> that's, and that's kind of how we got together is i i yeah. caught jeff i caught coda reno at a bar one night and um like felt like we were really on the same wavelength with our yeah. large bands with a single kind of um creative front person yeah um and, and then, then we, and then we. <laughs> sorry, I was gonna say, and dead cats. Um, oh dead yeah, cats, and dead yeah. cats. Yeah, and uh, that's the person super group. Yeah, and I also did like, you know, conscript you into my band. Oh yeah, it was really fun. It was super <laughs> fun being in Coterino because like I didn't have to manage it. Yeah, I could just show up and be like a, you know, like a just have fun, like a flaky musician. Yeah nice to live on the other it's, side it's interesting how that happens it's awesome i don't know why but when i when i find myself in bands like where well, i'm just playing bass for this band like you know what i don't really like where i'm where my amp's at can i move <laughs> i just want to make problems you know? <laughs> 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 but, um, um that's so okay so from playing in in your assorted projects like that's like in in crossing the scene and playing shows together that's where you guys met but like going like because with charming is that it's just you two so yeah. and like it seems like was it like this is way easier to work because of the lack there of personnel like just because it's the two of us we can really hustle um like yeah. jumping from a bigger project in both ends was it easier to downsize or did it make more like minute things more like intense like uh, as far as like um maybe parts of like songwriting that maybe because there was such a big group, it was overwhelming to focus on. And in a smaller group, you can really hone in on that. That wasn't an issue, okay. Particular, but the um, but the process was completely different um, with Charming Disaster than it was at least with my band. And I'm pretty sure with yeah, your band. like I mean, I was the sole songwriter, yeah. and um, I would have um, like I, I like to have a backup singer, but it was definitely a backup singer, not like a duet situation in in Sweet Secret and. Um, I mean, you're a musician, so you'll appreciate this. I had a rhythm section where the bass player was a music teacher and the drummer was like a jazz musician. So their schedules were like completely opposite. Yeah. Like, and like, I, I would weep over just trying to like schedule rehearsals. And, and as a result, like we had all these different configurations where it's like, okay, well, only the bass player can do it, but not the drummer. So like, what if we make this sort of like an acoustic thing, but if there's no drummer, then it doesn't make sense to have the horn section or the horn section can do it. But you know, like they're all, so it, it was, um, it was interesting in a way because we had a lot of like alternate arrangements of mm -hmm. the songs, yeah. but there wasn't anything definitive. It was hard to like explain what it was and like let people know what to expect in, in a kind of, I mean, in a marketing way, but also just in a like aesthetic way, it was hard to know what it was. We're, there were pros and cons to yeah. that. But right. uh, with, with just us, us two, it was like so refreshing to be able to rehearse as much as we wanted. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. It turns out it's a lot. <laughs> 
have someone else who's got skin in the game who cares about what you're doing as much as you do. And, and like, like cares about all the successes as well as like the yeah, challenges as exactly. much as you do. It makes it so much easier to have someone just someone to share everything with, you know. Well, and, and the songwriting, which is not something that like either one of us yeah. had ever really done before. Like I'm very control freaky about my creative process and like I was never interested in anybody having any involvement in it until we started working together. Yeah. And having, you know, we began to since we didn't know each other that well at the time when we decided to start this band. What were uh, we thinking? And what were we thinking exactly? <laughs> Instead of like, and with our respective bands, it's more about like our life experience, our feelings, our kind of things, our expressing, you know, expressing our yeah. deepest fears and hopes and stuff. And with with this project, it was we, you know, in order to kind of simplify how we thought about it and how our writing process, we just came up with a bunch of like possible like story prompts, yeah, mm. stories and. That. And themes that way it wasn't our own feelings we could write about this couple that had killed somebody or definitely you know, not us definitely not <laughs> wink wink uh <laughs> we hadn't gone yeah gone that far yeah but like we we sort of we created a set of parameters yeah for to differentiate this project from our others because we didn't like need another project for right. expression it's just that we we really wanted to work together and so we needed to make it um you know, specific, and and it went dark very quickly. Yeah, here we yeah. are. Here we are. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, projects. Can I yeah. uh, um, kind of pick apart? Let's like the yeah. the writing process on like both your guys's ends on your own, and then where it kind of overlaps. Like mm -hmm. I'm because I've been I've been doing a lot of interviews and studying a lot of songwriting on my own. And I hate the you know be like oh what was first the music or the or the mu or the words because that's never how it pans out but like individually I imagine like you each have your own kind of approach like I don't, I've been really trying to like do like a okay every other day I spend an hour writing no expectations right I come up with a prompt for myself and just write for an hour and like if it's something it's something if not it's just I spent time doing it and that to me has been satisfying. Um, cool. Just to keep that right, just to keep that going. But like, what I've never like really worked with anyone else, so I'm I'm really interested to see like what your individual processes are and like maybe how that overlapped. Mm. Like it with the prompt that makes sense because you can kind of go study a subject or a tale or like kind of like with the new record with the uh, the Radium Girls and Marie Curie, which mm. I want to dive into in a second, but. Like to take a topic like that and kind of do your own due diligence and kind of like see what aspects of a story re resonate with you and like so mm -hmm. like as an individual on on an individual level like how do you approach like coming up uh, just a creative practice and then how does that pan over together? Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's, that's a loaded. No, that's a great question. Well, for for me, kind of it's it's changed over the years but like especially in Coterino it was definitely a music first thing and that would inspire like what the song was about perhaps or like I had a musical idea and I would develop that a little bit and try to have some words to go over it just to have something to say and do and and develop it that way and so it was mostly it was generally music first and then lyrics would kind of come and meet it, meet the music in some way. Yeah. And 
Um, but then working with Charming Disaster, it hasn't been that way necessarily. And well, you, for for me, like where where Jeff's lyric writing is more like I would say evocative and like imagery based, mm -hmm. like more more associated. Um, like I was a writer before I was a musician, so I'm very like lyrics oriented. Um, and that's where I draw a lot of inspiration from. I write a, I write a lot of songs um, for books. That's that's part of my sort of practice or has been over the years. There's a songwriting club called the Bushwick Book Club. Um, and uh, where a book gets assigned and you have to write a song that comes out of the book. And it's such a, an amazing creative exercise, and it's made me such a stronger songwriter because you have something to work with that's not just your feelings, um, that has like a, you know a universe that's defined somewhat. But it's up to you to like craft the puzzle to then solve, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And then, and also, there's a deadline, and there's peer pressure. Like you have to, like you you have to show up with a song at the thing you've committed to do. This you can't drop out. You have to like show up at the event and play a song that you've written about this thing. I have friends who are doing it, like everybody's got skin in the game. And what it really did for me was give me a lot of practice in not knowing how I was going to get from not having a song to having a song and like a sense of faith that if I just start doing something, something will happen. And and it kind of and it's also it's very low stakes. Like it's you know, it's it's a great place to play an instrument that's not your home instrument or try something new and so it's it's it encourages risk taking and it, it has made me uh, it's not my that's not like the only thing that i use as a songwriting prompt um but it, it's be, been a really great training for me as a songwriter to say i don't know what this song is going to be but i know there's going to be a song like that that sort of taking the fear out is really great but uh, and and as and and it's it's very word oriented for me. Although the words um, carry rhythm and rhythm carries melody, so like that happens almost at the same time for me usually. Like lyric, like it's rare that I write lyrics that don't have any sort of melody or musicality attached to them. Mm -hmm. That makes um, sense. Like I, I don't see how some people are different, you know, and like it's, everyone I've kind of picked their brain at has never kind of been like, yeah, I just I write and then I put it to music. So it makes right. sense that it would have to be kind of like together. Do you know Don Ralph? Yeah, I know Don Ralph. Okay. He's, he's a member of the Bushwick Book Club, and uh, yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, he did the whole uh, what was it, the Vonnegut record? He like yeah, it, yeah, he did yeah. a whole book, a whole album on that on that book. <laughs> oh, that's oh, I I didn't realize he'd done a whole album of those. Every January, it's always a Vonnegut book, and so there've been been a lot of. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and it's also it's very validating as as a creator to go to these things and and be like, wow, everybody's thing is so different. Like, there's not a wrong way to go at this. Yeah. Everybody's everybody is, you know, resonates with different details and approaches it in a different way. And there's so many ways to go at it. It, it gives you more faith in your own approach as, you know, as being legitimate, if that's something that you need. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, well, I, I imagine everyone does to some degree, whatever, especially with writing in any capacity. I feel like it's a it's such like a, a self kind of driven thing and to be able to relate and see like they're all doing their own thing and it's working out. Everyone's things working out and in, in what yeah. they're going to do. Like 
I get very like warm fuzzies about it. I'm like, oh, we're like, we're all like gorgeous individual snowflakes. And <laughs> <laughs> no two are alike, but they're beautiful. all beautiful. Um, so, so coming to the part two of your question, like how does this kind of interact together? It's been really interesting working collaboratively um, mm -hmm. and it's evolved a lot over the last almost 10 years now. Can you believe it? 10? Time. I know. Exactly. Um, so when we started writing together, it was more like a pen pal style, relay race style songwriting, where one of us would start something and then hand it to the other one to write the next bit, which was very exciting. Like, it, there's yeah. nothing more exciting than getting an email with a voice memo in it that's like the next part of the. I know, it's so exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, and we we work that way. It's, uh, the entire first album, most, is, of, first most album. of it is yeah. is like epistolary kind of back and forth. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as we got more comfortable with with each other and it's really about like it's it's about like trusting yeah. the other person and being vulnerable and like and not being too it, attached and not being too attached. That's the other thing you like kind of, you know, you present what you have, but you're not attached to attached to it but you also like not to you know you ashamed of yourself right. oh, yeah. you know, you're not like well this is stupid or whatever you know you kind of you have to be vulnerable and you have to kind of let things go and that you know that can only come with time after working together as long as we have and it developed and like the second album you know sometimes one even person, even yeah. before the second album though so so here's a here's a concrete yeah. example um Osiris, which is one of the songs on the first right. album. Yeah. Um, I remember this because we were like on an airplane from somewhere and I was like, oh, I have this like little song idea, but like, I don't even know if it's a thing. It's just, and that, that's like something we say a lot. It's like, yeah. I, I don't e I don't know if this is a thing. Like, is this yeah. a thing? And, and, I, and I was just, it was just like a riff. It was like, and, 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 and it was very like, PJ Harvey drums in my mm -hmm. head, like, mm -hmm. you know, like Mick Harvey, rid of me style. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, like this, it's just like, it's not even a thing. And Jeff was like, oh yeah, like I could totally do that. Like I could, I, we can like make that. We can do that. Yeah. yeah. Like I can make that sound on my guitar. Like we can yeah. make that. And, um, and the other idea was that it should be a song about Isis and Osiris. And when we landed in San Francisco, is when we were going to San Francisco, we went to the bookstore, we went to the bookstore immediately. <laughs> got a book of um it was egyptian budges yeah ancient egyptian mythology you know and he's like you know 1920s guys so a lot of his stuff is like a little suspect at this point but it's so for like yeah. research and getting like ideas and then we each went into that mythology and pulled yeah. out stuff and we we built that song that's right yeah so having somebody else to be like oh yeah your idea is a thing like mm -hmm. we can make that into we can like flesh that out um like there are definitely song ideas that would never have gotten fleshed out if not for our working together. Yeah. You know, because I would be like, oh, this. I, I think there are many where I would have been like, this is just a notion. It's not mm -hmm. like a song. Yeah. yeah. Same. Same here. Right. Um, well, okay, that's that's really fascinating because like it seems like um, Ellie, you're coming from like a um. Did you do slam poetry? On a side note, was that a thing? <laughs> I absolutely did. Okay. That was. My Introduction to performing. That was, that was me. <laughs> if yeah, if you were at Carpos Cafe in 1997 or 98 on the Lower East Side of, in the West Village of New York City, 
um, yeah, my senior year of high school into college, like that was my, that was my jam. I would show up and I would like yell poetry at people and, <laughs> and, uh, and I was, I was like, I was good at it, but, um, it's not particularly enjoyable, I think, to like be, uh, the, the, on the receiving end in some ways, yeah. but music is great. Cause you can like, <laughs> you, you know, can trick them into yeah, people, listening. people like listening to music. Yeah. <laughs> well, is it, it's, it's slam poetry is interesting because like, to witness it kind of like, you know, like it, it's not like music where you can hear like a, a whole set. You know what I mean? Like I feel like one mm-hmm. poem is like a lot to take in. And like I yeah. like slam poetry. Like Saul Williams is one of my favorite writers in general. Just like his work is awesome. But like, uh, it, you know, it's a different. So like it, it seems like you kind of had more of your, a foot in like the kind of lyric, uh, the, the, the writing game where, Jeff, it sounds like you were more – the, had the aspect of guitar playing, the more musicality under your fingers. Um, and it seems like the kind of like the blend the two and both be writers and to be able to vibe on an idea, hear like a, a melodic thing and be able to bring it out full wise instrument, like instrumentally, musically bring that to life is like a, you, to know that someone else can make that happen because I feel like uh, mm-hmm. um, as a writer in any sense of the um, creative endeavor, you kind of get lost in like, well, I have this idea. I don't want to bring it up because it's going to waste their time. But if I can make it happen, maybe they'll find it intriguing. So, like, mm. you know what I mean? I personally, I find myself, like, I- I'll learn how to play the banjo so I can show you this part. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. We're like, no, I have two friends that rip banjo. Let me just pitch them the song and see if they can do it. You know what I mean? Like, um, Yeah, well, it comes down to, it comes back to trust. But the the other thing that's happened, though, is that I think, like, I've I've definitely become more attuned to writing music first and i think vice versa and vice versa for me yeah and that we started to like write more like each other in Ah, some way okay cool yeah that was pretty i'd say like it happened relatively quickly where i think sorry go ahead no where we you know like there's i mean there's nothing there's no there's no real differentiation between like oh elia's like the writer for or like she she you know, she's focuses on the lyrics more than, than I do, or she's, you know, we have our things that we do and that we like and our comforts, but, but Elliot's come up with amazing musical parts that I never would have come up with. And, you know, you know, I feel more comfortable starting with, you know, lyrical ideas. ideas I mean, like, honestly, one of the first things I noticed when, when I first saw Coderino was like, you had this line of lyrics that i just loved so you know well, and, what was, what was it? it was uh it i it was either it was either better than this or mm-hmm. um or the song that i called two shoes which is actually Talk called um which is actually called uh broken, broken carousel. carousel yeah so there's the what is the line about the the years and the seven days seven days in a week Twelve yes. months in a year. Yeah, do the line. Like a beat on a like, like beads, beads on a string that are weighing down. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Seven days in a week, twelve months in a year. Like beads on a string. Yeah. 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 There's that one and there's also two the other one. Two <laughs> two what is it? Two shoes, two shirts, two socks. I can't remember. <laughs> and two sad dimensions. Yeah, two <laughs> Something like that. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a cool play on words. That's awesome. That's yeah. not too sad to mention. Nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, and I, 
Oh, I can relate to this guy. I'm going to go talk to him. <laughs> so what brought up the dead cats then? <laughs> well, the cats expired. No. <laughs> so, we, I, you know, my cat died like a year before meeting Elia. And then, yeah. Well, this was when you came. So I'd, I'd seen Coterino play and I knew that like we were simpatico and like we should do something together. And, and Jeff was open to it, but he hadn't seen me right. yet. And so he came out to see a Sweet Soup Bread show. Yeah. And I guess you came to Jesus. At that time. <laughs> um, and so after that show, the two of us sat down at the bar and just started like talking. I don't know how the conversation got around to dead cats, but... <laughs> It just it does sometimes. Well, and for for yeah, like my parents' cat, like the, my childhood cat, had recently passed, and there was this sort of hilarious story involving like oh, like my mom, like the the guy cutting the lawn was like, "Lady, there's a dead cat in the yard," and it was uh, the cat. Uh. Do- but she wasn't sure if it was dead. She was like, "Oh, she was still warm," so I took her to the vet, uh-huh. and then like. You know, cute like Monty Python dead yeah. parrot sketch, and uh, and then she, she's like relating all this to me on the phone, and she's like, you know, and then like they asked if I wanted to cremate the cat. Like, do you know how much it costs to cremate a cat? Like, and it just gets. And so, so she's like, so I just took the cat back home with me, huh. and uh, and uh, you know, then your dad came home. My dad had never really cared for the cat, and um, and the you know, my dad was like. She's like, your father suggested that maybe we should just put it in a garbage bag and put it out for the trash pickup. <laughs> and 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 she was like, but but I told him like we couldn't tell you kids that like we've done that. And I was like, also I think that's illegal. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, the lawn guys came back the next day, and so she had them dig a hole and they buried the cat in the yard. Um, yeah, so just that it was that kind of story. And yeah, my cat had recently died, and I lived near a vet and. Our cat was never a very pleasant cat. You know, I loved it very much, but it just didn't like people very much. But I felt very close to it. And, you know, we went to the the vet down the block and the vet, you know, we had to put her down. We put her down and the vet was like, oh, you want to have a minute with, you know, with the cat, you know, after after the fact. So he was very he was a really mean vet. But like in this, he was really great in this capacity. It's like, you know in this very tender moment. So he gave me a moment with the cat and the cat, it never looked so calm and sweet. And like, it would never let me like pet it in the way I was petting it. I was like, this is so strange. This is not my cat. This um, anyway. Anyway, we bonded over it. But it, I think it was the fact that we both recognized that these stories were very funny yeah. in their darkness, um, that it was like another indicator mm-hmm. another indication that like we were on a very rare shared wavelength that's right um yeah and the next day we got together and we had, we had our meeting. first meeting yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Both first. charming disasters like it's a charming situation yeah. when you can see the humor in it but it's pretty disastrous yeah i mean and that's kind of been like the the thread that's run through all of our work yeah is like we deal with dark material in a lighthearted way, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is not to say that we're not like cognizant of the darkness, like the reality of it. But right. um, but also we see the absurdity in, in it and, you know, and then we get a lot of mileage out of that. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, so, okay, with the writing, like, now, one thing I'm really fascinated is, is with is with how your vocals lined up together. Like, when did mm. you, like, as far as just vibing and being like, oh, I can write with this person, like, your your vocals together really bring each other out. Like, because I, oh. I dove into most of the discography of, of what I could find on what you guys have separate and then together, but there's something when your vocals interlock together that really bring out, like, each other. And I don't, I don't know if that is a, you know, representing the writing aspect of it too. Like, and that just is like a kind of unconscious, like, uh, amplification of that. But like, your voices really lock in together. And I, knowing how hard it is to learn and get harmonies right, like, I can't, I can't imagine a third person in the band because that would be that they would lose their mind just trying to get that together. <laughs> but like in the good way, because they're so interlocked and like, was there like a, a, a song that one of you wrote that the other, like, I can hear where I fall into it or bring that out? Or was this like a group effort where like, oh, you should be a fourth here or like. Like I'm really fascinated on how that, or was it just singing together? You found the 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 place to where your voices fall in with each other. That's a great question. Yeah, I think it happened pretty organically. I yeah. love harmony harmonizing, and I have a really good ear for it. Like I just have a good like instinct for where the intervals are gonna feel good. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm writing vocal harmonies, it's usually just by ear and not by math. Um, and, and we, we did a lot of harmonies in Sweet Superhead also, but like with us, I don't know. With we, us, we were practicing a lot and we were like playing, like we didn't have a lot of songs to play, yeah. so we would play them over and over and really work. And we were playing each harmonies. other's songs a lot at first yeah, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And Coderino had lead harmonies that, um, yeah. although it was funny because he, what you said about it being harder with more, more people, yeah. um, at the time Coderino had two other singers who were not active at mm -hmm. that time and so i came in and was doing all the harmonies and with two people you can go all over the place right like you don't have to be like locked in parallel the whole time right you can like swap out who's going high who's going low you could switch from fourth to a third or a fifth or a seventh or whatever like mm -hmm. you can really shape it in interesting ways and uh and when you have more people suddenly you're stepping on each other's parts and it gets very yeah. fraught yeah <laughs> when they come yeah. back from being on hiatus and yeah. suddenly like the parts are different and yeah. you have to like, you know, go back. Relearn it. Re yeah. Re yeah. Rearrange it. Um, we, but, yeah. But we like, we just sang a lot together and I think our voices do just complement. but also like we, I mean, when we're doing a new song, we often have like a spreadsheet. Like we want to like, if, if we want to like try out, like test out different harmonies, um, we will like make a grid and we'll be like, okay, like what yeah. if like, all right, if I do the G and then I do the B and then I do the E, like what can you do? Well, if I'm on the G, it could be on the B or the E, but like, oh, it sounds weird if you're right. on the low one. Can you go up an octave note? All right, let's try swapping. Like we try out like a lot, we of, try a lot of iterations. Things. And there's, you know, alluded to before, just because there's so much freedom in having two vocals, two vocalists that we can do interesting things. We don't have to worry about a third person and like what what another, you know, prospective person would do. And there's a really cool like interview or article about the counterpoint, about yeah. counterpoint and about the, um, the what brothers, the Everly brothers. They're talking about how they could like 
jump around and like switch who's doing high, switch who's doing low and in such a like creative way mm. that it was more creative, more expressive than if there were three part. Uh-huh. And I feel like we really get to do that because, you know, it's just us two and we're doing as much as we can. And like, besides like a performative thing, like, we're like, all right, I'm playing guitar, you're playing uke, we're doing foot percussion. And like, what is the most interesting thing that we could do with our two voices? Yeah. And we kind of explore those things. Yeah, and it's and funny, because sometimes when we're writing a new song, we're like, oh yeah, we've like, we've checked all of the like the charming disaster boxes. Like, right. you know, here we're like taking turns and then this one, we're singing it at the same time on a harmony. And now like, you're gonna sing your part and I'll sing my part. But like, yeah. it's at the same time, so we have this like yeah. counterpoint thing going. I mean, like sympathetic magic is a good example or wishing well is a good example where we have different lines that we say at different times and we say them all all on top of each other yeah and it's so exciting i mean and that was really one of our one of our goals at the very outset was to tell just to write songs with two voices um that were both narrative voices and also musical voices that mm-hmm. that we could do all these interesting, fun things when when there's two people singing. Like, it's, yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah, we were just working on this thing. It's not released yet anywhere, but you know, one like we're singing a pattern in six, and then the other person singing the pattern in five. What haunted right? life? Haunted life. Has oh yeah. Seven. So it goes around. Of does until, this cool like yeah. Steve Reich kind of thing, and then it comes together at a certain point, and that's really fun. That sounds awesome. I, I'm one. I'm 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 actually really happy to, see, to hear that there's a graph. There's like we there's like there's hustling. Like yeah, there's the natural feel to it. But we we really work to get this out. That that makes me feel really happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, Excel. Yeah. yeah, or or just like a very messy looking hand scroll. Like I've got so many notebooks that have like a grid drawn in them with like in sort of like wavy lines where it's like okay. Like, yeah, there's a matrix. Yeah, there's a matrix. That's amazing. I mean, it, it's clearly paid off, and you guys like to kind of bounce it to the uh, my lady uh, radium, our lady radium, to bounce it to the new record. Like there's a lot of that in there, and a lot of it adds to the narrative. And to kind of focus on that for a little bit, one thing, like I listened to all the all the records you guys had, then I listened to the new one, um, and then I read the 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 the, um, the advance sheet from Howard. And I'm like, oh, I need to do some research. So I went back and did a bunch of research on Marie Curie and like uh, the Radium Girls, and then went back and listened to it a few more times, and. The, the kind of touch upon the storytelling like from the Bushwick Club and the the work with uh, working on that type of exercise I think you guys did an amazing job of highlighting like some of the key emotional elements in that tale and kind of spanning from Marie to the radium girls like this like this kind of like tragic like twist of what a what an amazing thing it is that this person discovered this like or uh, uh, radioactivity and like uh, became this first uh, woman to receive two Nobel prizes in this ro- uh, like a uh, uh, heroic character and like the kind of tragic twist in her life and how it how the ele- radium itself led to some more tragedy down the line like there's like this beautiful like kind of juxtaposition of that within all this but musically how you guys use the vocal techniques you just described um which <laughs> graphed out or not or felt <laughs> in this case is amazing um what kind of brought this to like a uh 
why, 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 my, why Marie Curie? Like, I mean, it's like, I, I think I kind of know, but like, <laughs> like, was it an exercise and this really just kind of stuck with you? Like, I, I really got a lot of songs with this or like, was it just being that inspired by her story? Well, um, first of all, thank you so much yeah, for all those nice things you. that you just said. It really means a lot to us. Um, we, we knew for a while that we wanted to try writing a group of songs that told a story together because we had for quite some time been writing songs where each one was kind of its own universe, um, told a kind of self-contained story, um, with its own characters, its own, you know, dramatic arc. And we wanted to try writing more like a rock opera, I guess. And we were looking for an existing story to tell that we could approach in that way, using some of the tools that, you know, like from the Bushwick Book Club style um, of like research based or like reading based uh, songwriting. Jeff, you mm -hmm. uh, okay, yeah, had a yeah. kind of face. No, no, it's my face. <laughs> And so we hunted around for a story yeah. that that appealed to us that seemed to have a lot of like material for us to work yeah. with. And there's this wonderful graphic novel by Lauren Redness called Radioactive, which is about Marie and Pierre Curie and their love story and sort of uh, repercussions of their research. And it's it's this gorgeous kind of non-linear storytelling approach. It's visually very beautiful. Mm -hmm. And there's so many just like fascinating details, like duels were fought over the scandal when right. Marie, after Pierre's death, yeah. like got involved with a colleague who was married and the xenophobia and misogyny of, you know, early 20th century France came to a head and there were death threats on her life. And, and you know, not to mention like the, the love story between Marie and Pierre yeah. and, and his tragic death and like the exciting discoveries that they made. And then the, the tragic consequences, like there's so, there's just so much to yeah, work with. Yeah, the spiritual with. medium that yeah. They attended spiritualist sessions from uh, Eusebio Palladrino, this this kind of strange, very famous um, spirit medium that was happening a lot at that time, and trying to be studied because all these new phenomena were being discovered. And they thought, oh, maybe there's something to this ectoplasm and spiritualism that, like, maybe this is something. Maybe other... they are speaking to the dead. Yeah. That's a thing. Maybe that's yeah. a thing. So, yeah, there so. Is so, so her story, like, it touched on so many things that interested us beyond, like, you know, there's, like, the sort of heroic female protagonist, which is interesting. And there's, um, but there's also all, you know, there's the scientific discovery. Um, but there's also a lot of stuff in the story that relates to things that we've already explored in mm -hmm. our songs, right. things like ancient mythology, like she was compared to Pandora, she was compared to, uh, to to Prometheus, like bringing fire to the world, you know, like that's an ancient tale of like someone's curiosity leading to the world as we know mm -hmm. it for good or ill. Um, and um, all these sort of poetic resonances. Yeah, that really, that we could really sink our teeth into. Yeah, it was such, it was such a rich, a rich vein to mine. So um, we, so we, we set out deliberately to write a, a bunch of songs that came out of this. Um, we had a, an artist residency in early 2017. Yeah, mm -hmm. 17. Early 2017. And we, we went out to Michigan um, with like a stack of books, um, you know, everything from 
a couple biographies of Marie Curie that are contemporary to a book about Marie by her daughter Eve, a book about Pierre by Marie herself, the graphic novel, a book, a kind of scientific book about radium and science. Yeah. Um, uh, and we read and we took notes and then we kind of see, we, we, we looked at what our notes told us about what themes had spoken to us. And then, uh, the actual songwriting began. Yeah. Yeah. The first week was like heavy research and note taking. And then the second week, it was pretty much a song a day. Pretty much. Yeah. We yeah. would, we would each take a stack of index cards, which we had like sorted through and made into like piles. And we would each repair to one part of the cabin <laughs> um, yeah. to like work separately. And then we would break for lunch and do a little show and tell. And Jeff would be like, I don't know if this is anything, but like, yeah. here's that. Yeah, that's basically what it was like. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if this is anything, but like, this is what I got. And then, and then, because like by then our song, our collaborative songwriting had evolved to the point where right. we were no longer just doing like pen pal style, we would then sit with each one and be in it together, yeah. working at yeah. it. So it was very a lot of side by side. A lot of side writing. by side, staring at a laptop screen <laughs> and like pulling out the matrix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's like one one because uh, so much of that. It's interesting because a lot, like how you said, a lot is in that story, right? There's scientific discovery. There's mysticism within it. There's a like a the the heroic female protagonist. There's a lot of stuff that could be just the one of those aspects could be an entire album, in like you know aside from like in a completely different set of characters, you know. Um, and like li after like because like I, was, I read it and I'm like I gotta do some research you know to listen to it and like like <laughs> the one and like so much of what I like did a quick research a uh, quick breeze through it compared to like what you guys just described you hit on the head like there was one line I think I, I watched a video or something or read oh. an article where it described her um, looking at the when they had that shed where they uh, what was it pitch uh, pitch or yeah, like which RA sounds musical, you know what I mean? Like, um, they looking around the lab and just seeing like the blue light glowing, and yeah. like I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, what a kind of like I mean, though tragic, what like a kind of magical life Marie yeah. would yeah. have had coming from like a place where she could not be allowed, where she was not allowed to learn to being like a a lead scientist in like and then hanging out in this lab where there's this magic glow, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> what a cool, unique kind of like life that like in that moment, the like kind of, you know, you found your love and you're like, and you're doing this, this important work and like, and it's just glowing around here. Like, and you guys hit that. You, you put the, the pixie glow within a couple songs, I believe. Um, yeah. And like, but I, so like when you're digging through stuff and as a kind of a side question, like, what, like, are you taking like kind of a key phrase that like, oh, that's a song seed, that's a lyric, or like a key emotional factor, like, um, like the emotional, like it's really interesting that she wrote a book on Pierre. That sounds like a heartbreaking, but really like deep cut it, it, into that. Beautiful, it's beautiful. Yeah. Like she just it, Pierre sounds like such a a, a unique soul. Also. Yeah, it's such a sweet 
individual. You know, he like put away his own research to assist Marie and her research to like work. Not like I mean, they worked together as equals, but like he he put aside his own. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a special kind of person to to do that. Yeah. Um, we're like we're like um, crows. We're like looking for the shiny things. So, like, and and I think the key thing, and this is like a Bushwick Book Club kind of skill, is um, to not think too hard about it. Like, there there just just as there's like writing and editing, there's like looking for the shiny things and writing, and so. When you're looking for the shiny things, it's just like what sticks out, like write it down, come back to it later. Yeah, Yeah, we took a lot of quotes from various sources and those wound up in lyrics. You know, speed of a a song, you know, like the start of a song was maybe, you know, a phrase or a quote that we pulled. Yeah, there's... um... Marie corresponded with a mathematician named Hertha Ayrton, who was a, she was English. And um, there's a wonderful quote from Hertha Ayrton where she she describes the laboratory as a refuge against evil. And like that was such a beautiful idea and such a beautiful turn of phrase that we put that into the song Elemental. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. yeah, but just like the, the idea of the work as this safety. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we collect all the stuff and then we kind of see what we've got. That that's how we we did it for this project and everything. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. That sounds like uh, just so. Is that kind of like a, a so the Bushwick technique in a way is kind of finding finding the nuggets that you can emotionally expand upon. Yeah, or or that just are like a neat turn of phrase, and that and I should say like that's certainly not how everybody right. works. You know, that's just how I like to work. And um, it sort of lends itself to this kind of project Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of material and you don't quite know what to do with it. And so you kind of just go through it. And um, so we we had like 100 index cards. And so as we were reading, if we saw something that jumped out, we would write it on an index card. And then then afterwards, we went through the index cards And and grouped them. That's cool. That's really cool, cause like you you know you get like two verses in a normal song to tell us three three verses to tell tell the story. You know what I mean? Emotionally, you got to set it up in one verse. Like that's yeah. that's yeah. that's really cool. Wow. And like and and the kind of bounce it to the the Radium Girls the track where you guys had the 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 like I want to say claymation the puppet video. Um, oh yeah. I also noticed. Uh, that was used in another video. What was it? Um, the one about quarantine. Um, uh, uh, what? I'm I'm blanking on the name of the song right now. Uh, uh for for your solos. Um, God, it's gonna. But either way, like <laughs> that song in particular was so beautifully done and set up that scenario because there's so much on like how corrupt and like just incredibly fried that like whole situation right. was when they brought it to light and like yeah. the kind of focus in on it and like just like the emotional context of doing the thing and being in this room and like how kind of prestige it was and like to have a job like that and like like i remember um an account i can't remember what the girl's name was mary um who worked there or uh oh i can't remember uh, too many names but like uh how she toured the factory and like it was a dream come true because like yeah. it was achievable yeah. work and like 
um, a good wage and like clean, sociable and like yeah, and like so like there's this like element of betrayal to it. Like it it wasn't like a shitty job that like killed them. It was like a nice job that killed them, which somehow makes it worse in a way. I guess Mm -hmm. you know that that it it was set up to be something special, and then it ended up being so deadly. Um, yeah, that, that song was actually the first one that we wrote of the, mm-hmm. of that's the right. Mm-hmm. Cause that story in particular stood out to us so much. Yeah. Well, and it kind of, it kind of stands out as its own in a way compared to the, um, you know <laughs> what I mean? Cause it's, it's a, it's an aftermath. It's like the sequel to yeah. the story of yeah. radiums, like allure, um, yeah. But yeah, wow, okay. Because that one, that one, like, he said that uh, speaking of setting up everything in a first verse, you know what I mean? Like, you're in it. And the the video, I don't know who, who does the claymation or the puppeteering for you guys, but they do a fantastic job. Especially- That's an artist named Omer Gal, um, who has a band called Cookie Tongue. He's also a musician. And I think part of his sensibility is a musician's sensibility for timing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, uh, and he, but we, we really just like, we handed it to him. We, we were familiar with his other work and his aesthetic and we just like, we knew that he did take it. it right. yeah. yeah. And so we, we had a sort of mind meld with him where we, we gave him a sort of download of, <laughs> of the radium girl story and some of the details that especially stood out to us, like the fact that they, um, they were they were exhaling radon gas. Like radon is one of the daughter products of radio of radium when it decays, and there there was so much radium lodged in their bones that they were actually yeah. breathing out radon gas, which is just nuts. yeah, which could expose graphic plates, so uh-huh. they could breathe on a photographic plate and expose it, <laughs> which is insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there there are a lot of images that that especially stood out to us in that yeah. song and that story, and we shared those with with Omer, and then he came up with this incredible work. Which I have to say, the first time I saw that he shared the video with us, I was like, "Holy crap, this song is fine, but like this video <laughs> is, real, is real art." <laughs> it's true. It's, it's so impressive. We were so excited and yeah. happy. We were so happy about it, how it came out. And he did, you know, he just went and ran with it. Oh, yeah. He, like, I mean, he got very into the story and really into, into the, the tragedy. And, and his, his the puppet is based on one of the, uh, a specific radium girl. He yeah. Said. Um, he did his own research, too. And he, when he built the the puppet, the armature for it, he then took it to a fabric shop and had the, the puppet like help pick out the fabric and then he sewed all of her clothes and I mean it was like it's yeah like down to the tiniest detail all, everything in that video is yeah. handmade by by Omer it's such an incredible thing he did yeah I, um typhoon typhoid Mary that was the one I was thinking of oh yeah. oh right? yeah typhoid Mary um that's the sweet soubrette tune that's a more recent one really a solo release uh the band wasn't on that um that actually was a found piece of stop motion oh, um, okay. by an artist named lee harper who does these miniatures which are incredible that are these sort of macabre historical miniatures and um and when i saw that she had created a little stop motion of her typhoid mary one i asked if i could use it in a video and she said yes uh, it struck similar um but yeah that definitely yeah. he uh, okay 
uh, Omar definitely like brought it to the next level because that video, like that song itself, is really emotional. Like you, you're put into it, but that the visual amplifies it even more. Um, yeah, very cool uh, project. <laughs> would you like, would you like to hear a couple of small secrets about that that song and the video? Yeah. Um, small well, secret well, number one. <laughs> um, when we were recording the the tracks for that album, there was a clock in the room. We were at my parents' house, and the clock was very loud, and so we had to move it. But when we were doing Radium Girls, we decided that we would use the clock. So we brought it back into the room, and we recorded the clock as one of the tracks. Um, and because we knew we were going to record the clock, we made sure to record the track at 120 per minute so that yeah. Even though the song is in three and it's 120 <laughs> per minute, so the clock kind of gives like, like a hemiola nah. over it. It's pretty cool. That's super cool. Uh, yeah, because a lot of this was all recorded on your own, right? Like this was all in your house or your parents' house, right? The whole yeah. album was recorded yeah. with just the two of us playing all the instruments in my parents' empty house during the pandemic. Yeah. And the clock. And the clock. And the clock. <laughs> The clock played itself, I guess. Yeah. And then we mixed it with our longtime uh, recording engineer, Don Godwin, um, who's based at a place called Tonal Park in Maryland. And we mixed it remotely with him. So everything got, like, shined up and yeah. cleaned up. Cleaned. Uh, but we, we did all the tracking ourselves. That's a big deal. It's hard to, you know, it's it's hard to... The hardest part is just that, getting everything on the wax. Like, mixing it is hard, too, but, like... It, like and, and we only had two microphones. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It, had a it, good was. Time. it, was, it, it yeah. was. There was a lot of experimental drum <laughs> micing set up. <laughs> I know. Sure. Yeah, the drums were really fun. Damn, that's super cool. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Like, well, because the record is spacious. It has like, it doesn't. It doesn't sound limited. It doesn't sound like there was a limit on like. Um, it, it doesn't sound confined in a way, and like, it. it, it I think part of it is like the delivery, the songs, and the deli performance delivery. Well, that's all of it. That's recording music. Um, I answer my own rambling, <laughs> um, but there's a part of it like the music you wrote. But somehow, when you guys captured it, it's got a vastness to it. But also, like, and it's confined in a way where it's like not. It's not like it doesn't sound like you're in a cave or whatever. You know, what I mean? like it doesn't sound overkill. But it, like that's amazing that you guys did that all with two mics. <laughs> That's incredible. There, there are nice mics. Nice I'm mics. glad we got those. <laughs> They're great mics. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we we, we got those. We got those toward the beginning of the well. We we put in our order for those toward the beginning of the pandemic when it became clear that the recording session we had planned at a studio later in the mid 2020 was not going to pan out. Um, and so we we got a couple of mics so that we could keep on recording mm -hmm. without but yeah, it was very experimental also we were we were like actively fighting a war with the leaf blowers outside <laughs> we were in right. the suburbs and we're like all right like we're ready to record and then like the, uh, oh my god so we ended up we, we worked a lot at night <laughs> such as such as the the creative way right <laughs> yeah, yeah do you guys do you guys find that you write more or more creative at night is that like do you, mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It takes me like all day to get going, and then by by the time it's yeah. nighttime, I'm like really humming along. That's right. That's when the coffee's kicking. Yeah, I find I don't know if it's just like I've taken enough in. You know, what I mean, like at that point at night, like I've taken enough day in that I can kind of think more 
um, yeah. creatively, or maybe this has more than a meeting. Maybe it's more than a leaf blower. Like what's, uh, you know what I mean? Like fill in the blank, whatever it is. I feel like after a certain hour of being a, a conscious, being awake, like I'm like, ah, <laughs> deeper yeah. thought. Um, what a, like, what, so, so you got this crazy, like new tune in the works. Do you have a new record in the works? Like, I know you guys mentioned some tour dates, um, let's kind of plug what's coming in next to kind of wrap it up here. Sure. Um, yeah. We've got an album release show on March 10th in New York City um, at a place called Caveat, where we will play all the songs from Our Lady of Radium. And that show is also going to be live streamed. So there's tickets available to the live stream as well for all of our fans who are not able to be in New York City. Um, and then we're going to do a little Pacific Northwest tour starting March 24th in Seattle, going to Portland, Cottage Grove, Oregon, Chico, California, Berkeley, Pismo Beach, and L.A. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's all between March 24th and April 2nd. Um, and we've got some stuff coming up over the summer, too, but I feel like that's too far out and too many yeah. things could happen to, to plug. Right, but. Right. Um, uh, but we'll be announcing some more stuff soon. And then, um, and this is all to, to tour behind the um, Our Lady of Radium, which album. releases on March 4th. Yeah, which comes out on the 4th. Um, we, are, we are also working on other recordings. Um, we are actually about to do final mixes on um, the next album, which we have somehow managed to get in the can. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we started working on that last summer, though. Yeah. What's so. is it? What can you kind of get into? Like, what the concept is? It a concept? Is there like a kind of like with Our Lady Radium? Is there a narrative through it, or is it like I'm sure there is, but like, is it kind it, of? It's more like a. It's more it's like, like a menagerie of. It's like a, a classic charming disaster album with songs about witches and animals and monsters. It's like a curiosity cabinet. It's a curiosity. Yeah. That's it. Very cool. Um, oh, one one more question that I, I should have asked earlier. Um, Funk Rust. Do those yeah. guys, does that personnel, was that kind of the guys you were trying to book times for but couldn't book times for? And do they cross yeah. over with a Cudorino oh, so, in like a, the, a in Charming Disaster? So the personnel that we try to get on recordings for Charming Disaster is typically our old bandmates from Cudorino and Sweet Soubrette. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Funkrest Brass Band is another active project. Um, my husband and I are the kind of the, the I, I, I don't really take any band leader credit on that that show. I'm the front person of that project, and my husband is the band leader. Um, and But there are a lot of amazing horn players, so it's not out of the question that we might try to recruit some of them at some point for a recording. Um, but, uh, but no, but Funkrest, it's also a collaborative songwriting project, um, but like super different and... Uh, has some has some gigs coming up once the weather gets safe. Very cool, awesome, awesome. Well, I'll get, well, thank you guys so much for um, hanging out with me. I really appreciate you taking time and being flexible. Oh thank yeah, you, it was Dave. really nice talking to you, Dave. And I hope we get to meet next time we come through yeah. England. Likewise.